0: It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar, and premier sponsor QNB, Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at Qatar Economic Forum. Welcome
1: to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 154 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today's main story? Despite the fact that COVID-19 has disproportionately affected Black, Latino, and Indigenous Americans, in major drug trials, the participants are overwhelmingly white. But first, here's what happened in virus news today. Russia brushed aside international concerns about the safety of the world's first COVID-19 vaccine. The country will start mass inoculation this month before clinical testing is completed. According to Russian Minister of Health Mikhail Murashko, authorities plan to start inoculating medical workers and other risk groups within two weeks on a voluntary basis. The vaccine will be available to the wider population from October. President Vladimir Putin's announcement on Tuesday that Russia has cleared the vaccine for use was a propaganda coup for the Kremlin. But many questions remain in the West about this vaccine's safety and efficacy, given the scant details about its development. New Jersey is the latest U.S. state to retreat from plans to send kids back to classrooms. Governor Phil Murphy will now give public schools the option of all remote teaching when classes resume in September. Earlier, Murphy had required that all districts offer some level of in-person instruction, with safety precautions in place. On Tuesday, the state's largest teachers union issued a joint statement with groups representing administrators, saying classroom instruction, quote, is not safe yet. Finally, the pandemic will likely make the gender pay gap worse after the U.S. economy recovers. But it could ultimately improve opportunities for women. A paper from the National Bureau of Economic Research said that in a regular recession, the pay gap between men and women shrinks by two percentage points because men tend to get hit harder by job losses. But according to the report, in a pandemic recession like the one we're in now, that gap increases by five percentage points. The
0: countdown has
1: begun. From May 14th to 16th, a
0: thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.
1: And now for today's main story. In the rush to develop a vaccine or treatment for COVID-19, Drug companies are fast-tracking clinical trials, but those trials have a major diversity problem. Participants in major drug trials range from 70% to 89% white. This is a big problem, considering it's a disease that disproportionately affects people of color. Kristen V. Brown reports that failing to account for minority groups could potentially impact how well a drug eventually works for those that the virus has harmed the most.
2: COVID-19 is not an equal opportunity threat. Over the past six months, Black, Latino, and Indigenous Americans have suffered more from the virus than anyone else. The statistics here can be shocking. For example, in cases where race is known, Black lives have accounted for more than 22% of the national death toll, even though they make up about 13% of the population. So I was surprised when I took a look at who has participated in clinical trials for COVID-19 vaccines and treatments. It turns out that at least so far, most of them have been white. You might wonder why this matters. After all, race is not biological. It's a social construct. But the more we understand about human biology, the clearer it is that a person's individual biology can influence certain things, like whether they are more susceptible to certain diseases or if certain drugs work for them. This can be connected to genetics or the environment you grew up in, and both of those things can be connected to race. So if you know that a disease especially impacts minority populations, it's really important to make sure that those populations are represented in clinical trials. I talked about this with John Beagle, a researcher at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, has worked on multiple early-stage clinical trials for COVID-19.
3: The way I would frame it is that the diversity should match the scientific objective. If the objective is determining efficacy and understanding how the vaccine prevents disease in different populations and how effective it is in different populations, then that diversity is Very critical. Uh, The last thing that you would want to do is roll out a public health intervention and not understand the impact that it had for the different populations that you're trying to cover.
2: Now, it should be clear, race is not the only variable that could be connected to why a person responds to a vaccine and another one doesn't. Age can also matter. So can other underlying medical conditions. You could also give the exact same vaccine to two different white men in their 50s, and the vaccine might work for one of them, but not the other. Biology can just be mysterious sometimes. There is still so much we don't know. But we do have clear examples of where race is a
3: factor. The classic examples would be for hypertensive, uh, where that in the hypertension guidelines, there are clear recommendations based on race because we know that as a class, even though there is individual variation that as, uh, as a class of drugs, uh, they will have different effects on different uh, populations.
2: Another example that comes to mind is asthma. Black and Latino children are known to not respond as well to abuterol, which is the most popular medication on the market to treat asthma attacks. There's been some compelling research to suggest that a genetic variant may be what's responsible here. And knowing someone might have that variant could save their life, since abuterol is the medication that most emergency rooms keep on hand to treat severe attacks. But much of this we have really only started to understand over the last decade or so.
3: It is an increasingly recognized phenomenon, and the, the whole field of personalized medicine is revolving around this idea that there are Subtle variations in our immune response, subtle variations in multiple genes that might not be apparent, but uh, uh, but will affect our ability to respond to to different medications.
2: Now, one thing that John mentioned is that it's important for a trial's patient population to match the scientific objectives of that trial. So he said it's less critical that early stage trials be diverse because the main objective is to test a small number of people and make sure that drug or vaccine is safe. I looked at the data for six trials that had published results, and only one of them, a late stage trial for the drug room Disavir, had anything approaching diversity. But most of those trials were early stage. It's in phase three trials, which seek to test how well a drug or vaccine actually works that diversity is absolutely critical. In 1993, Congress actually passed legislation requiring publicly funded medical studies to include more women and minorities. The FDA also encourages the inclusion of diverse populations in its guidelines for developing COVID-19 treatments and vaccines. Part of the problem is that it can be hard to recruit minority populations to participate in a trial. There is a lot of mistrust in our healthcare system among them. But in the past, drug makers also haven't necessarily tried hard enough to recruit them. That may be changing. Every single drug maker I talked to for this story told me that they had plans in place to make sure that there are more diverse participants in later stage vaccine trials. Plans like working with community organizations to help recruit participants. I noticed these efforts in place when the NIH launched its Phase 3 trial for a vaccine produced by Moderna. They hosted a Facebook Live Q&A in which the heads of Moderna, the NIH, and the NIAID all fielded questions from a participant in the Phase 1 trials. That participant was a Black woman named Robin, And she got right to the tough questions about race. I have to say
4: that when I told my friends and relatives that I was going to participate, they were absolutely adamant that it was a bad idea. They tried to discourage me because they were concerned about my health and about my safety. And the reason for that was because in the African-American community, we are all familiar with the Tuskegee experiments.
2: The Tuskegee experiments are often cited as one of the reasons there is mistrust of our healthcare system in the Black community. Beginning in the 30s, public health researchers conducted an experiment in which they sought to observe untreated syphilis in Black men, but lied to participants and told them they were receiving a treatment for bad blood. Even after a cure for syphilis was discovered, most of them did not receive it. And so many people
4: are in the African-American community are familiar with it. And when you ask them about participating in clinical trials, they'll give you two words, Tuskegee and no.
2: I was curious, though, just how Moderna had recruited Robin and others for the early stage trials. According to Moderna, 89% of those trial participants were white. I talked with Ian Hayden, a 29-year-old Seattle resident, who participated in the trials. He was actually one of just a few people who had a bad reaction to the vaccine. Ian is white, by the way.
5: I first learned about the study from a co-worker who posted about it in Slack. Um, he shared a form, basically where people who are interested could, could express their interest. Um, that was the first that I learned that the trial was taking place here in Seattle, where I live, and that they were recruiting in the Seattle area looking for healthy people under 55, like me. Um, so I filled out that form uh, really without much forethought because I, I didn't expect to hear back, to be honest. I just figured I'd throw my hat in the ring and, and we'll see what happens. A couple of days later, I did get a call back from the clinic asking me to come in for a screening visit.
2: Ian works in the world of vaccine development as a science communicator at the University of Washington. In other words, he heard about the trial because it's in his field of work. He also said that he was comfortable volunteering in part because he works in this world and knows what to expect.
5: You know, it seems clear to me that we need a coronavirus vaccine. I think that's clear to a lot of people now. It's, it's how we're going to put this all behind us at the end of the day. And we're not going to get a vaccine without clinical trials. And clinical trials need volunteers. You know, I came in, I guess, with a uh, I don't know, on on the side of science, you could say, and of course, with a lot of trust in that system, something that I was familiar with. I, I'm somebody who happens to know scientists. I know people who work on vaccine design. And undoubtedly, that colors my thinking, too. This this whole process is probably going to look very different to someone who, who doesn't know a scientist. And, you know, you only hear about these things through the news.
2: For her part, in that Q&A, Robin said she decided to participate because she wanted to help her community.
5: I felt that
4: if those people who conducted the Tuskegee experiments were allowed to succeed, not only because of what they did, but because future generations of African-Americans were still too afraid to participate in trials that would benefit us, then those people would really have won twice. And I was not going to let that happen.
2: With so many vaccines in progress now, it does seem promising that one of them will work. And eventually we will be able to put this terrible year behind us. But it will take significant effort to achieve the diversity necessary to make sure that vaccine works for everyone.
1: Kristen V. Brown. And that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit bloomberg.com coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspore, Magnus Henriksen, and me, laura carlson today's main story was reported by Kristen v brown original music by leo Sidrin. our editors are francesca levy and rick shine francesca levy is bloomberg's head of podcasts thanks for listening